been talking about spiritual hunger. And what I want to talk to you about today in terms of hunger, Dave uh, spoke a message two weeks back called From Identity to Hunger. And, and we had been in a series on identity. And when he spoke on that, I, you know, I didn't ask Dave to speak on anything specific. I, I knew he'd hear from the Lord. And, and, um, but then when he spoke, I just felt like, oh, that actually is the Lord leading us in the, in the direction we're going. And we're going to spend at least a couple more weeks on that subject. And so spiritual hunger. And uh, we, we talked about spiritual hunger last week. And in this week, I really want to talk about stewarding your hunger. Because hunger is a gift. Life is a gift. And a healthy appetite is a sign of life and health. Right? When, you, when you're not hungry, you're supposed to be. Right? So when you're thriving in life, if you lose your appetite, it's because you're not feeling well. And, and so, but, so believers, how many know there's physical hunger and there's spiritual hunger? Right? And, um, and I want to just read from Matthew 5, 6 today. And, uh, and it says this, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed. <laughs> you ever think about it? You're, when you're like, I'm just hungry. And the Lord says, that means you're blessed. Because what comes after hunger? Filled. For they will be filled. I mean, no, without a hunger, you can't be filled. You're out of hunger, you don't eat. And, um, and so, hunger, spiritual hunger is key. I want to talk about stewarding that hunger, but I want to just lay some groundwork for that today. Um, you know, before you can eat, you need a hunger. <laughs> it's just a good word. And I think once you have a hunger, then you begin to decide what you want to eat. We know that what we eat is a choice. Right? Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and like when you're when you're really tired and kind of worn out, how many know sometimes your eating choices? You got to use a little more willpower in those moments. Right. You just want like I just want the bread and the salt and the ice cream and, um, you know, the bagel and the cheese and hallelujah. I one of my students. I know. I know one of my students, uh, one of my German students a few years back would make this bread, this fresh bread, and it had like all these seeds in it, and it was real dense, and uh, oh, it was so good, there's nothing like really healthy, hearty, fresh bread, where you, where you slice off your, you cut your slice, first thing in the morning, you know, you cut the slice off the loaf, and then you just put it in the toaster, and get some Kerrygold butter, and it's just dripping through the bottom, because you just, you know, your big cup of tea, or coffee, or whatever you have. And um, it's so good. And, uh, and so, I mean, hey, bread is, bread is good, right? I mean, Jesus said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And, um, and so, uh, <laughs> amen. And, um, and so, hunger. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bread's no good, Reuben. Just eggs. Eggs is what you need. And, um, and so... <laughs> hunger is room. Hunger is is room. It's two things really. I was thinking about this. What is hunger? It's it's room 
there's room for something and it's mixed with desire. I have room for it and I really crave it. I want it. That's what hunger is. And hunger in the natural is healthy. Hunger in the spiritual is even more healthy. And the truth is, is that I believe is that that everybody in the world is hungry. That's actually the truth. Because it doesn't say blessed are they who hunger and thirst. It says blessed are they who hunger and thirst for something specific. Righteousness. Fenton knows. So, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for something. For righteousness. And just as we open the service this morning, I think this is powerful that that we actually, just like in the natural, we get to choose whether we eat a Snickers bar or a salad or whatever it may be, right? We have the ability to aim our hunger at something. And, and we, we have the ability to choose what we are going to fill that space with. And everybody, everybody is filling it with something. Now, lots of people are trying to fill it with something, but it never really fills. Amen? And, and that's why Jesus said to the woman at the well, he said, he said, if you drink of the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. Now, that word thirst, when you study it in the Greek, actually means to suffer thirst. In other words, it doesn't mean that you're never going to crave more of the water that you drank. What it means is you will never feel as though you are without drink. So when you drink the water that he gives you, well, let's just read it. But whoever, this is John 4.14, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never thirst again, ever. I love that translation. It's the Holman Christian Standard Bible. I've been reading it through. I got, I got a new Bible this year. And it's fun to read the Bible in a new translation sometimes. In fact, the water that I give you will become a well of water springing up within for eternal life. Powerful. So, in the Old Covenant, the best day, the best day of the Old Covenant is that you have a cup that overflows. David said, my cup overflows. But in the New Covenant, we don't have a cup anymore. He says, once you drink this water, the actual spring itself comes and lives inside of you. And now, you're not just, fill up my cup so I can take a drink. You are so saturated and so satisfied that you become the house of the headwaters themselves. And so that wherever you go, we never have to be spiritually dry ever again. And you know, this is powerful because I used to believe, oh, I'm in a dry season. Oh, I'm in the desert. But you know what? The desert isn't meant... You know what's hard about the desert? When you just fight, the, when you fight that you're there. When you wrestle against the fact that God is leading you in a specific season of your life. But you know what the desert never is for the believer? A spiritually dry place. I know, I know, I know, I know that's a challenging statement there. But the fact is, is that it says that we will become like a well-watered spring 
Right? He's the fountain that never fails. What, what, what God had against, the, against Israel in Jeremiah's day is he said, you have forsaken me, the fountain, and you've made for yourself broken containers that can't even hold water. So they walked away from this ever-flowing fountain. Do you notice in the wilderness when they were traveling around, they didn't get a, they didn't get a five-gallon bucket? Carry your water. No, they had a rock that just poured water out whenever they needed it. And all they had to do was speak to it. That's deep, really, when you start thinking about it. Our communion with Christ is always open. And really, the desert, if you want to call it that, is actually just a place of intimacy. It's not meant to be a bad thing, because when Jesus retreated in his life, he went aside to be with the Father. And, and so he was never alone. He said, I can never be alone. He was never dry. And Jesus is our model. We're talking about hunger. <laughs> Powerful. <laughs> uh. So God has made us to hunger so that we can eat the good food that he created. This, think about this in the natural, it's true, in the spiritual, much more. In other words, if you think about the way God is, do you realize that you and I are created? God, this is one of God's core values, delight. God has actually created you and me so that we would crave and hunger. And then think about the way he's created the earth. Okay, think about, first of all, think about the place that man, that Adam and Eve were first living. Because that was the ideal environment. In this place, think about it. I mean, there's just fruit, food everywhere. So God's designed human beings so that hunger would rise up and they would go, now that I'm hungry, I'm going to eat this luscious, juicy fruit. You know, there's like, and you, they, would, they would probably just go around and pick their favorite one. Think about it. Hunger is a blessing because you get filled in the kingdom. This is how God's designed it. And the same is true for the spiritual. You know, I said this last week, but I'll say it again. The Lord said to me, he said, he said, how much of me that you can experience has nothing to do with how much you've already received. It has everything to do with whether or not you're still hungry. And so I began, yeah, how much of me you can experience has nothing to do with how much you've already received. So God pours out on you and he never, ever says, that's it. Think about it, a never failing spring. And, and, And so he said, but it has everything to do with whether or not you're still hungry. So hunger is key. Hunger is key. And, and God has created us so that when we hunger and we thirst for him, he goes, oh, that's awesome, because now you get more. He said to me, when I want to plant a tree, I dig a hole. So if you've got a space in your life that there's desire, you might be calling that lack. But what it actually is, is hunger. And you won't feel desperate when you realize that he's created it so that he can fill it with himself. And so that we're never walking around in our life figuring out how to meet our own needs, we go to the fountain. 
Hunger is key. Hunger is key. And so I began to pray. I began to ask God and to say, God, this is what I want because I noticed this pattern that lots of us can have. And it's that like when we, when we reach a certain level of blessing, sometimes we settle. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. You know? And then we kind of just... Maybe that's where... If it, you remember all the tribes were heading over to the promised land? And just before they're about to cross the Jordan, there's two and a half tribes. And they go, and they're like, you know what? Why should we go over there and fight all those guys? This is pretty good. This is pretty good. I think this is enough blessing, God. This right here is enough. We don't need all that you have for us. We'll just be happy right here. All right, if, if that's what you want, you can have it. And you can come back here and live as soon as you cross the Jordan and help fight off all the bad guys with your brothers and sisters. They're like, that's not how I saw that working out. And, um, and <laughs> So what does that mean? It means that they couldn't avoid what they were trying to avoid. All they did was cut the blessing short. Because they settled. And so I realized this, this tendency, and I think it's, it can be a human tendency. It's not how we're designed to be, but, but it can be a tendency. And, and so I began to pray a prayer, realizing that everything is a gift of grace. I began to say, well, wait a minute. If hunger is a gift, then I can ask for more. And I began to say, God, and this is my prayer. I began to say, God, this is what I want you to do. I want you to touch me in such a way that, that no matter how fruitful you make us and no matter how much you bless us, I pray that with each level of outpouring in our life, that, that, that the measure of hunger would also be increased. Measure of, and if you want to use instead of hunger, the word desire or that my love for you and my devotion to you and my oneness with you would my craving for you would actually go up as well. And so that I would never settle for anything other than you. Because when that's in place, everything is a real blessing. And once it gets out of whack, it, it, it doesn't work so well. And what I find is then there's like this natural cycle that happens where you realize God actually was the one that was blessing you. And then you kind of settle and then you're like, you get humbled pretty quick after a little while. Hopefully, it's pretty quick. And and then and you you know you kind of, and then you and what happens? You're like, God, I need you again. The fact is, it's not again. It's still. It's still. But I forgot for a minute because I the illusion like it, within blessing, I I fell for an illusion that that. I could take it from here. That's why Paul, and it's a it can be a human tendency. That's why Paul said, oh, you foolish Galatians, what God has begun in the spirit, are you going to continue in the flesh? It's that thing where we go, thanks, God, that's amazing. I got it now. He's like, all right. You know, <laughs> I'll be here to catch you. And because um, he's a good father. Anyway, hunger. God has designed us for continual delight. When we come to him, he puts the source himself inside of us so we never suffer thirst again. I mean, the fact is, do you ever just sit around? Sometimes I just sit around and repeat this statement. God lives inside of me. 
I just recommend you just sit there and say that like ten times in a row and think about what you're saying. It'll mess you up in a good way. All right, now I just want to talk briefly about stewarding this hunger. And we have been talking about that. One is simply acknowledging. That's what poor in spirit means. It means blessed are the poor in spirit. What poor in spirit means is that you know you need God. That, if you want the really powerful translation, it means you're aware of your need for God. And you can be, I mean, there, there could be a, a multi-billionaire who loves God and everything, his family's blessed and everybody's healthy and everything in life in this earth could be going well for them. And because poor in spirit is not about external conditions. It is a condition of the heart. It is an awareness in the soul. And <laughs> more. <laughs> so on the last day, the most, on the last, the most important day, the feast in John 7.37, if you want to take notes, Jesus stands up and says a loud cry, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, come to me. Again, where do we go? So here's just a few keys here about stewarding hunger. One, be intentional to receive from God. One of the keys to having a hunger or a love that is alive is that on a regular basis in your life, on a, on a regular, like a lifestyle basis, you, you are in the place of being touched freshly by the love of God. The Bible says we love, we love Him because He first loved us. Number one, stewarding hunger is put yourself in the place of being touched by God. Because it's a gift. And I find... That what you choose to eat, you crave more of. We've been, been on this reading plan, you know. And, um, and I'm like, I literally found myself the other day. I was like, man, I just want to, I'm a little behind in my reading plan. And I'm like, like just on this plan that I'm following. And it's amazing. But I literally, I've been doing this for a little while now. And I'm like, I have all this stuff. And I'm like, I just want to sit down and read. I just want to get, I just want to sit down and read. You know, I want to feast some more. And, and it's amazing. The more you eat, the more you desire the thing you eat, right? You ever notice that? You just eat hamburgers. You're like, I want another hamburger. Like, one hamburger's fine. But once you have, like, three in a short amount of time, you just want, you just want to eat hamburgers and fries. You know? And you're like, you got to, like, eat a salad to reset. You know? I don't know about you. That's what I find. I'm like, just make yourself eat a salad. And then you're like, okay, now I want healthy food again. And, um... So, so you'll hunger for what you feast on, and your focus will determine your feast. Spiritual feasting has everything to do with focus. The focus of the heart, focus of the mind. Spiritual disciplines. Now, that sounds like a lot of fun. Prayer, meditation, Bible reading, fasting, things like this. Spiritual disciplines are things you do. Now, where it gets really dry is when we think that our spiritual disciplines earn something from God. That's when that's religion. Religion is the ladder you think you climb to get to God. Well, God really loves me today because I read six chapters. Way more than yesterday. 
when I didn't read it at all, he was so mad at me. God's love is based on my works. No, it's not. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. So, so I, his love is unconditional. However, so then why? What is the deal with spiritual disciplines? Someone said it this way, and I think it is the best description I've ever heard. A man named Alan Hood. He said, spiritual disciplines is tending the garden where you meet with God. Remember, when Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, it said that they walked with God in the cool of the day. Now, Adam's job was to tend to that garden. Now, think about this, that how hard was tending the garden of Eden? It watered itself. The soil was moist and soft and fertilized. No weeds. No hard ground. No sweat. They didn't even sweat. Think about it. We think like, oh, spiritual life is hard work, you know. No, no, no. Think about what this was. His whole life was like, I think maybe we'll move this plant over here. And just, wow, look, look. Oh, I'd love to meet with you here, Lord. I just wonder if it was just like organizing it and using his creative ability to, to sort of arrange the things that God had created. And I bet you just probably like pick up a plant, stick it in the ground, and it probably just grew, you know. I mean, and and so... And so when you take that, when you realize that your heart is a garden, and that, that why am I talking about this when I'm talking about spiritual hunger? Because I believe that sometimes our spiritual hunger is stifled by a lie that God is somehow unavailable, or that our access to Him is limited. And I believe that once we become convinced that He actually lives inside of me, He doesn't ration Himself out to me, that I can experience as much of Him. He has, I'm my beloved, and He is mine. He is mine. What if you start treating God like He's yours? He is yours. You do treat Him that way. I've noticed. And, uh, and, and, and so I actually believe that one of the keys to having a healthy spiritual hunger is to realize the truth about God's availability. Because once you realize that it is the easiest thing that Christ paid for, full access, and when you start to taste, you're like, and I can have as much as I want? Various kinds of miracles? Help with what I need? Are you, are you getting hungry? So, another key is that, so that, another key is that we eliminate these are keys that help you steward your hunger. Eliminate segregated thinking and embrace the reality of your oneness with God. That sometimes as Christians we still see, we, we know this isn't true, but we, we, we live our life like we think that God is far away on a throne and we're like, God, can you hear me? I'm praying. And we don't call Him down. We are one with Him. We're seated with Christ. We're actually there. And he's here. I'm in him. And he's in me. This makes me really hungry. And when I realized that we're actually one, he's joined to the Lord as one spirit with the Lord. A large part of healthy spiritual hunger is realizing that the Lord is available to us without measure and without restriction. Understanding his desire for us and his availability in everyday life awakens desire in us. 
Sometimes we fill our souls with other things because we don't realize how available He is. Sometimes we run to other sources. Unbroken union is what Jesus paid for. I'm going to close with this thought. (laughs) Hunger. This, This statement right here that I'm about to say to you is so simple, but it has changed my personal life. It is this. That your secret place with God is not a place that you go. It's not a place you go to. Now, you may have a place, and I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. You may have a place that you like to spend time with God. I recommend that. However, that place that you go, and spend, that actually isn't the true spirit secret place. A sp- The secret place is not a place that you go. It is a place that you are. As a believer, as a a born-again child of God, as the temple of God, realize this, God, He went from man in the garden to man is the garden. That, That He walks with you every day in the garden of your heart. And so when you go, well, why do I read my Bible? Then why do I pray? Because if you think about it, you're just like, all I'm doing is tending. What am I going to feed myself? What am I going to hunger for? You know what I'm doing? I'm tending to this garden. Because what I think about and what I read and what I take in actually creates appetites, acquired taste in my spiritual life. And, and, and so I'm tending to the garden. And it, you know what it does? It gives... It, it actually is a way of making beautiful the place that you're always meeting with God. So you can be at a manufacturing plant. You can be in a warehouse. You can be at the mill. You can be out on some job site. <laughs> and you're in the secret place. Would you stand? There is just so much more, you know. I'm just so stirred up for what God has for Weaverville and for Trinity County. And, you know, like, we all have one mission, the Great Commission, to make disciples. All of life is really summed up in this, to know God. Knowing God is the best part of every single thing. So so this is life right here. To know God and to make Him known. To know Him myself and bring others to know Him. This is our mission on the planet. And I'm so glad it's simple. Many ways to fulfill this mission. Many ways, but the mission is the same. It's what we're doing. We're doing it in the schools. We're doing it in the workplace. We're doing it everywhere. Because we're light. So, God, I thank you for hunger and thirst. I thank you for a never-failing source. I thank you for our God. I would ministry team, would you come? Lord, I ask you to touch us today. I thank you that you already are. And, um, wow, thank you. Have your way. In Jesus' name.